Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Scott Armstrong grew up outside of Chicago and studied comedy under the legendary Del Close before moving to New York City and joining the Upright Citizens Brigade improv troupe Mother, whose other members included Jason Manzoukas, John Daly, and Jessica St. Clair. He has since worked with St. Clair as an executive producer on both of her TV series, Best Friends Forever and Playing House. But you've come to know Scott Armstrong's work more through his screenplays, which have included Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, School for Scoundrels, Semi-Pro, and The Hangover Part 2. He's also the creator of the Showtime series Dice, which follows Andrew Dice Clay now past his prime in Las Vegas. Dice's second season debuted in August 2017, and Armstrong sat down with me to talk about the mother of all comedy stories. So let's get to it! Okay, so Scott Armstrong, let's let's start uh, right where we pick things off. Pick things up off? Pick things off. Uh, with season and cut. Let's start again, guys. <laughs> Scott Armstrong, it's good to have you with me on Last Things First. I'm the, happy to be here. The season two premiere of Dice on Showtime. Was it more satisfying for you or for Andrew to to see what life would have been like without the Dice Man? Uh, well, I, I don't. I can't speak for it. No one knows what's going on in his mind. I have no <laughs> idea if he's satisfied. But I was thrilled to get it. You know, when I when we first saw the room uh, in the writers' room, I, I work with like. Uh, great writers like Brian Gatewood and Alex Tanaka and everybody else. And when I was in there, you know, we thought of this idea and we're like, is he going to do it? Is he going to let us do it? Mm -hmm. You know? And so to see it come to life was awesome. You know, I took a little like talking him into it, but it was, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's, he's, he's let his hair go wider. You know, he's wearing like a button down shirt. He's got like, you know, I think we khaki pants. I think he did he wear khaki or I think we ended up with gray. I think he holds up khaki and says beige, but then he's wearing gray. (laughs) Like that was our compromise. (laughs) So ridiculous to be in the haberdashery. Yeah, and I think he really would have been in the haberdashery business if he wasn't because I talked to him like, what would you do if you were never a comedian? You know. When was the last time you imagined your life without comedy? Would you still be in advertising? Uh, you know, probably. You know, or, or always something creative. Probably, if I could get paid doing it. I, you know, like I used to start out. I wanted to be a cartoonist, and then I wanted to be. I just like thinking of ideas for a living. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's definitely. What if, car- I, if I can do that and get paid, I will always do that. What cartoons were the ones that made you think of cartoonist? Uh, well, I used to imitate. Um, Far side cartoons. Okay, Gary Larson. And, yeah, That's a good one. That, yeah, I used to like imitate that stuff and invent my own. I, for a while there, I thought I might try and do that, but then, you know, I just kind of grew out of it. Well, advertising is not that far off. You're imagining, especially if you're doing print or yeah, TV yeah. Well, I, I bumped into a. Uh, we had a guy in high school that came and talked to. It was like career day, and he uh, he had worked in advertising and basically was explaining that you know you just th- sit around and try and invent ideas all day, and I was like. For the first time, like light bulb went off. I was like, for sure. Like I felt kind of like lost. I think mm-hmm. until I heard that someone got paid to do that. I, I, I struggled in school with just you know the details of every other subject, but the, the using imagination and, and inventing ideas and hanging out with other smart, right. funny people was definitely what I wanted to do. So how then did you realize working at, at an ad agency in Chicago that there was another way to do that, mm-hmm. just down the block or? Um, 
You mean get into like movies and other stuff? Well, no. Uh, well, even before that, to uh, start taking classes at I.O. and study with Dell. Well, you know, I think I benefited from living in Chicago because I grew up where everyone sort of revered Second City. My mm-hmm. dad used to take me to see it, you know, okay. my parents. And then uh, and we used to study like Saturday Night Live and watch like the Steve Martin specials on tape over and over again. And just kind of like there was definitely like my whole family's funny uh, and... Uh, but no one ever tried to do anything with it, so I, I didn't. I didn't even try to do anything with it. I just was doing advertising, right. and then. Uh, but then I was living downtown, and a friend of a, a friend of mine was taking uh, classes at Improv Olympic in Second City, and I was like, I'll try that. But it was more at the time just to try and. I remember just trying to think like, oh, I just want to expand my brain, just try and do other things. You know, I never thought that I'd still be performing. Now. I mean, still perform. It's crazy. Did you take the same class as your friend, or were you in a different? Class. Uh, I was in my own thing. I didn't want everybody to watch me. Like I, I wanted to literally be among strangers as okay. I was experimenting. So, what was your first class like at I.O.? Um, uh, I.O. was awesome. I did stuff with Del Close, uh, who is now a legend. Right. You know, before he passed away, and uh, I studied with him for two years. And um, you know, when you're in the class, you don't think, "Oh, I'm with a legend." I mean, I knew he was like the founder of the theater, and it was a big deal. But you know, you don't think that you, you don't know that 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 time. I didn't even know I was going to go into comedy. So now I wish I had like paid more attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I wish I had like kept a diary or whatever. But um, uh, it, I, it was the first time I really learned that it was really an art form where you had to rely on other people and mm-hmm. rely on like sort of this group mind. And he invent he sort of like inspired us to like let down our guard and not just go for the quick laugh and not just like sort of break the fourth wall ever and really just like commit to listening to each other and all all these like sort of artsy fartsy things that I, I really bought into and um it's the opposite of advertising you know what i mean where you're just kind of like cutthroat or whatever trying to do your own thing and and look great at work you know but uh right improv is about trusting someone else yeah, it's you know, and, and that is the ultimate compliment to get when someone trusts you, you know, and also the hardest thing to do with each other, and like that's sacred, you know, and that's why I still um, do it. You know, I still do it. I do a soundtrack at Upright Citizens Brigade in on Franklin Avenue every Friday night because the group I'm with um, are just like we all sort of, you know. There's like sort of love involved. You know, you got to really trust each other and really allow each other to go anywhere. How how long did it take you studying and performing improv before you decided to ditch the advertising career? Uh, you know, I would have. I only ditched it because I had some luck. You know what I mean? I got. I got. Uh, uh, it's hard to explain, but I was. You know, when I was going, I was looking at directors' reels. Like there was mm-hmm. one thing you do in advertising. You start to go through. Like, who am I going to hire as a director to shoot the perfect tone for this right. thing? And I always loved Todd Phillips before I ever met him. I was like, this this stuff looks raw, looks down, it looks grounded. What was he cool. doing that you were watching? He had sent uh, some kind of like director's reel, but he also had done that movie Frat House that um, was controversial. And then he was also, it was just really, and Gigi Allen's Hated was a crazy movie. I, but I had seen, um, he had done this sort of director's reel too that I, it was just, I don't even know what it was. And it was great. And then, um, and you know, I, he was on my list to work with. And then mm-hmm. like somehow he took the, to, he hates when I tell a story because he, <laughs> does, he hasn't done that much advertising. You know what I mean? I, I paint a picture like he's a big advertising director, mm-hmm. but he just took one 
job and we, we, we i met him in uh yeah, in milwaukee we mm-hmm. shot in in the uh factor the the military draft factory okay. and it was like but we were talking to like down to like real people right and it's genuine them. draft it's yeah, mgd it's genuine draft um <laughs> whatever it was it turned out really good but we 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 uh we had written like three but then we like sort of stayed up that night, I remember going to dinner and having drinks and stuff and like inventing a bunch more stuff and really, really hit it off. And we shot some more stuff the next day just on top of what we already had. And we really just hit it off, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, you ended up writing several screenplays with him yeah, that he directed. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Well, it, what was there a progression? Was a what was the progression between those two things, between doing that ad and then? Um, well, I mean, if you're interested, the details of oh, it. Yes. Like, okay, like, <laughs> oh, the know. comics comic. We go deep into the weeds. To me, I'm like, I don't know. Um, but uh, I mean, I have questions about mother. So great, <laughs> those are probably more interesting than this one. But the uh, uh, you know, basically, um, because Todd and I hit it off, mm-hmm. we had sort of talked about working together, and I think that he had been working with some people in New York that he wasn't totally happy with as a okay. writer, and and uh, he was looking for other options. And at the exact same time, luckily for me, um, he had just won the what do you call it sundance oh, for no, like the best documentary I you were say the Clio no, firm, no he's then. not an advertising guy <laughs> uh, no but he had just won the sundance film festival for best documentary oh, okay. and ivan reitman um you know was there looking for new young talent mm-hmm. and just ended up i don't even know if ivan really had seen the movie more than he just liked talking to todd and todd's like really impressive when you meet him and he was todd's smart i met todd funny. i met todd during school of scoundrels oh yeah okay yeah so so you know, but anyway, so he, so uh, basically, Ivan and Todd hit it off. Ivan asked Todd if he has any ideas for like a Animal House on the Road kind of movie because he was really hungry to make something like that. They, uh, Ivan had been hearing pitches from other people and not been satisfied. He wanted to give Todd a shot. Todd um, was excited to take a shot. I think wasn't necessarily happy with his options for who to sort of team up with. He didn't want to write it himself, and then reached out to me. We, we had met and then mm-hmm. uh, i started sending him ton I, I saw it as a big opportunity and started sending him tons of ideas from i was living in portland oregon at the time so oh, I, was, I didn't know you yeah made a detour before new york yeah i uh well i worked at, in advertising at widening kennedy okay so that's where um and widening kennedy was a really cool place to work there. i learned a lot there too actually working on like nike and mm-hmm. espn and other stuff but um so uh, you know, we started, he liked the ideas. Then we uh, we ended up getting a pitch meeting uh, just to see, to, you know, give Todd a shot. So he brought me with. I called in sick at work. And we I flew down <laughs> to uh, Hollywood, and then you know, it was crazy. Rented a car and found myself driving onto the lot at the Universal Studios where Ivan's office was, and uh, he liked it. We were nervous. We didn't really know what we were doing. But I think my my. Um, what was the pitch for my road experience? Trip? My experience in advertising mm-hmm. really helped us, I think, because like Todd and I were kind of new, and Todd he's an awesome uh, director and everything else. But I think at the time, like my uh, advertising background, I think sort of well that you're, helped, you're helped already, us. You're already of, pitching, yeah, we clients. were pitching, yeah, exa- exactly. So it's, it's, it's helpful. So we were good. We were good in the room together, mm-hmm. probably because they bought it, uh, <laughs> and that was and, road trip. That was that turned that ended up becoming road trip. Okay. Yeah. And that uh that we sold a treatment idea. Mm-hmm. We basically sold it got a treatment contract. So then that in a treatment deal is not there's like very little money. It's a co treatment, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I quit my job, 
flew to New York, lived in New- moved to New York, all for this like dumb little aside. You know what I mean? Like now, looking back, I'm like, really? You quit? You, you dropped everything to do like this treatment? You know what I mean? Right. They don't even do treatments anymore. But um, <laughs> it was. Uh, but at the time, I knew it was kind of crazy to. But I had to take a. Sh- you know, how often do you get a chance? So right. And I also kind of wanted to move to New York anyway, so I could probably find. And you're still job young at the time. Yeah, you know, but um, but that was a bold move. Uh, I just saw my old apartment, walked down the street. It's very different in, in Little Italy nowadays. Okay. It's totally different. Um, and then, but then you also, so when you moved to New York, you became part of the group that was known as Mother. Yeah. I think you speak, which had uh, Jason Manzukas and John Daly and Jessica St. Clair. St. Clair, who you've worked with on a couple of shows. Yeah. Jesse Falcon, Christine Walters, when you Tara lo- Copeland, when you looked around, Asian. When you looked around that room, did you... Did you know who would go on to be stars and who, like yourself, might end up more behind the camera? Um, n- no, but like uh, I knew that it, we were doing – the thing is, even at Improv Olympic, too, and in New York, you don't really think that anybody's going to take off because it just – it seems like just us in a room doing it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even, you know, even or the, the theaters were small. Or- yeah, we were like – you know, we didn't even have a theater. We were like in a in a practice room, you know, so you don't think – I mean, you know, everyone has potential to do right. stuff, but you, but it's crazy how many people took off. Um, I mean, in my, uh, I remember going to. I, I really was. I was kind of in a different generation of. I was in classes like my first class at UCB. I think was Paul Shear, Rob Hubel, Rob Riggle. Um, Besser was a teacher, and then Daniel Schneider was in the class, mm-hmm. and she ended up marrying Matt and uh, Owen Burke, who runs. Fun your die. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Jackie Clark is a great writer. Um, and I'm probably forgetting tons of other great people. But, like, it was a crazy first class. But that was sort of my generation of class. And then they then, they, then there's, like, a casting thing comes out where it's like, okay, we're going to start a Herald team. And that became Respect to Montalban, but without me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, there's, like, whatever, six of us that didn't make it or whatever. So, you know, and that happens to me yeah. often. But, uh, but then I ended up um, – I remember um, – then I got cast instead on this other group I had never heard of. And I was like, oh, I, I was kind of bummed. And so I went to – but it's like, oh, we're all going to meet for a beer and meet our group. Mm-hmm. And I went to a restaurant to meet my new Herald team or whatever. Oh, so it wasn't McManus? It was someone else? It was – you would have been McManus, but someone – I don't know. Someone else planned it. So uh, <laughs> usually it became McManus after that every okay. week. Um, so, then, yeah, I sit down like – I meet for the very first time, Manzukis, Daly, St. Clair. All these people would be like, and Falcon become become my family, become great, great friends of mine for life. I still am so tight with um, so many of those people, you know. But then when when we're so that's that's crazy, you know. Then we want to become mother and right. Yeah. So then and mother was a was you know as respected and legendary as respect on Montalban and the UCB. Circles. Yeah, of course. It's just funny that I just was like <laughs> you know I just hadn't didn't know anybody you know right. what I mean until that first meeting. Yeah. But then you know road trip makes it through the treatment and becomes a, a major motion picture and then you do old school and you start doing all these bigger movies with Todd. Were you? Did you have any any kind of Second thoughts about being a, a writer versus being a performer? Uh, no, I always wanted to be a writer. Okay. I, I, I I was like definitely writery on stage. I remember going to see like I I like uh, I liked going to when I was in Improv Olympic. I would watch uh, Adam McKay on stage, and I was like, oh, that's that's the kind of I, I 
I'm nowhere near his level, but I was always like, I related to the way he improvised because he's really like a writer on stage, even mm-hmm. though he's a good performer too, but right. you know, he's not known for his acting and, um, he's more known for his, his, his mind, you know? And I was like, Oh man, I, if, if that could be, that's the kind of thing I want to do, you know? Um, and it's something special about just when everyone, like I was talking about the artsy fartsy stuff, like that's what, that's what made mother the best. I think is, uh, I mean, not that we were the best improv team, but we were so good at trusting each other. We really, really went to, uh, it was very not cool not to be cool to each other on stage. <laughs> we worked so hard to, to really always respect each other's moves and build off of them. You know what I mean? And when something kind of, you know, and we would talk through it if it wasn't, that was the one thing that group had that um, I thought was probably really rare was that it was just seriously selfless. And then we would just, uh, build off that and it got really funny you know got, like, so that, that we were kind of doing what we were set out to do without like um, going for cheap laughs ever or whatever you know and it became like uh, I don't know it, it, that, I think that's why we were we were still remembered or we special right. because we we were doing things that um, took a little bit of bravery how did, how did it feel then to be able to get friends of yours from the UCB cast in these movies, like School of Scoundrels. Yeah, that's Sheer a crazy cast. Is, um, a you know, it wasn't, you know, uh, at the beginning, I was like, I had all this access to people no one had ever heard of that were right. so good. So now everyone knows UCB people or whatever, you know, and that's like, but at the beginning, I think um, uh, I was, I was a good connection between some of our movies and, some of the actors because I just knew everybody. Right. So I know like, Oh, you know, it'd be good for that is this person, or, right. you know, putting like John Glazer or whatever in, in a movie before, and what, you know, not that this, not that any of my, I don't want to take credit for anybody's break or anything, but it was just, <laughs> I just had access to, you know, I just knew everybody and I was fans of everybody. Right. You know, but, I mean, you did get help get a bunch of these people. Yeah. You know, they, not that they didn't, you know, they would have done it. I mean, any, they had to pass their way. auditions, but no, yeah, whatever. But, but I uh, don't think it's a coincidence that, well, I would say Todd and I have a lot of the same taste, right. you know. So I'd be like, I, you know, like, oh, this guy's funny, and he would probably think they're funny. Um, it wasn't that uh, complicated, you know. It was like Todd and I were close, and I mm-hmm. would tell him this guy was great, right. and he would, he would, uh, oh, hey. he would watch you need them. To take and a look at this Paul Shear guy, yeah, he's and then they be... would put him in, you know. Aziz sorry, I have a feeling about him. He's going to be. So <laughs> um, did you have the same feeling on Hangover Part Two with Crystal the monkey? Uh, and say I need to build a TV show around Crystal. <laughs> I literally did that. I literally did that. And I, that, I wasn't going to let you go without bringing up animal. And practice. that flamed out. But uh, no, it could have. You know that. Uh, I think that show gets a bad rap, and it was actually funnier than people now look back and think it was. But mm-hmm. but I will admit that it didn't go well. But the uh, you know I remember like the our ratings were like. Like, we were getting, like, 1.2, which now would be considered big. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, the world was changing, and no one recognized it. Right. Like, now we would be, like, a highly rated show with those same numbers. And also... The, well, it was an Olympics year, too. Yeah. So well, there was, was a lot of promotion for it well, during the Olympics. Well, also promotion became, like, it kept, like, like, they would interrupt the Who, like, playing music, and then put our commercial on. Or, like, they would, you would you have to wait to watch the Who. And then also, it was just all this, like stuff that we kept getting blamed for everyone just thought we resented our show you know so i don't know we never got whatever i'm sure that but, it, okay i'm for, sure if i had done a better job it would have been better but whatever for those of you just tuning in animal animal practice was a was a sitcom based around a veterinarian who had a uh 
a Cri- capuchin monkey. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and the, and the monkey was the same monkey from The Hangover Part Two. And then audiences around the world rebelled against this idea because <laughs> it just seemed dumb to have a monkey in the show. But don't they remember BJ and the Bear? Yeah, or exactly. Turner but, and Hooch. Um, uh, but you know, I also learned something in that process. Like that was something I executive produced. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really run the show, and I wasn't writing on the show. Uh, I was more like the the detached kind of boss like overseeing this big thing and like Mm -hmm. that's the last time i ever did that because uh, since then i realized if i'm gonna do something i gotta just do it you can't really delegate not that it's anybody's fault that worked on the show it was it was just a lot of complicated things happening that it's just hard to really delegate uh comedy so um from now on i only do my own stuff if i if i do something i do i really do it you well, know. and that brings us to Dice. Yeah. So now I'm the, how, now I created it and the show runs. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm every decision goes through sort of me now. How so. did how did you how did you settle? What was your first? What was your first go around? I mean, you were in high school when Andrew Dice Clay became a superstar. Yeah, and I what was your I, first? I what was your first impression of Dice when you were in high school? I was like kind of like I think I think my cousin had like a cassette tape and we we're listening to it and like sitting on I remember sitting on like a waterbed or somewhere in mm-hmm. someone's like a suburban house and I was just kind of like scared and freaked out. <laughs> this is so intense, you know, it was so I was younger. Yeah. And I was like but I, I I soon realized I think more than other people that it was a it was a joke. You know what I mean? It was like he's putting on this thing and like yeah. I remember because he was it was not a real guy. <laughs> yeah, he's kidding, you know, and I always even as a young age before I was even into the art form of any of this stuff i totally recognized that and i was surprised that other people didn't you know i remember that so then you know that was 1988 1989 so then cut 20 20 years later 25 years later we always i always have to do the math i think it's 28 yeah it's now 28 <laughs> years later and and what made you what made you what made you think you know I'd love to see a show about what Dice is doing now. Okay, so I saw him on Blue Jasmine. Yes, the Woody Allen And film. I was like, oh man, he's great. Where he's playing against type, sort of. Yeah, and I was like, and then I uh, someone was like, hey, do you want to meet with Andrew Dice Clay? He's thinking about trying to get this cable show idea going or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'll meet with Andrew Dice Clay. Like, <laughs> what's that going to be like? Right. And then I met with him, and I was like, oh my God. Like, he was immediately like willing to be vulnerable. He's like, uh, you know... I used to have all this money. I don't have any money. I'm, I'm broke. My career's in the toilet. I don't have anything. You know, he's like, it was a real bum out, but he was hilarious in the way he was talking about it. He's totally self-deprecating, totally vulnerable, and totally different than I'd seen him on stage. And I also right because he's probably not in character at all when he's no, well, he talking. He kind of is, and kind of that's the that's the interesting thing about the show. You don't really know who the hell this guy <laughs> is half the time. But mm-hmm. like, so so that may be interested. And I realized that. There's so many different layers to this guy. Right. You know, there's like, there's the guy who's like an egomaniac, of course, but then there's also the guy who's like, is will not stop like thinking about his kids and helping his kids and helping his family. He's loyal like nobody else, but he's also just like funny in a way that's like, um, down to earth off, off, you know, off stage funny where mm-hmm. he's just like, he's a, he's a great comic actor within the thing he's a great storyteller he he realizes what's funny about his life and he's able to like tell me about those and I can take those and spin those into different stories i remember in the first season there was an episode where adrian brody 
just yeah. becomes Dice, and it freaks Dice out how much. Yeah, and he starts losing himself. <laughs> he's like lost his identity to Adrian Brody. Yeah, that scene where he's like, where Dice, where the, uh, you know, uh, Adrian Brody takes Dice's hair gel, and it becomes <laughs> Dice, and Dice doesn't have his hair gel, and it's just like in his robe and frustrated. It's, I love that scene so much. How so? Uh, but so that that's an example of like how we think of like big ideas mm-hmm. that Dice would never think of for himself, right. and then put him through the paces uh, as writers right. we invent these things for him to do but we're still using his voice and his reactions to the situations most people I've, I've talked to say that season two is when they really start going with their ideas and season one was figuring out what the ideas should be and then season two is I had always where do we heard go that. from that I've, yeah, I, you so. know, I listen to podcasts too and I'm like <laughs> I, I, everyone always says that and then I went through it and mm-hmm. oh my god I really feel like the show is totally taken off in a way that's different than the first I love the first season but I felt like as a showrunner, I didn't have to explain the show to everybody all the time. All my department heads know what the show is. Mm -hmm. Everything from like every actor, like Natasha, and especially um, like all the actors Mm -hmm. in the show really um, connect with the material in a way that's just very like comes instinctual instead of like you're th- in your head about it for the first season you know you shoot so fast we were shooting three and a half days per episode the first oh, wow. so you'd be done by the time the first two weeks is and over it was only you're six just episodes. getting it, it was yeah. only six episodes by the so time was... you figure it out the show's over so yeah. um this time around we really and as writers every phase of it you're like oh i know what to do you know and dice also the biggest thing is dice trusting us like i feel like he had to make a leap of faith in the first season and he's happy he did but in the mm-hmm. second season he really trusted us was there I, I know it took a while to get a season two renewal was there how um, did you how did you cope with that period i was fine you know you just like start building other things and i mm-hmm. and i uh actually sold a lego movie which i had to then delay um and they were they let me shoot this season now i'm like writing it during my my break now okay so which, which lego movie is this it's gonna be like the you know there's a batman there's not gonna be a lego emoji well, movie. lego i know that there's not gonna be a lego emoji movie no <laughs> oh my god yeah that's the one thing about the lego movies is like they're so smart and so well done that mm-hmm. that they get a lot of imitators now right. and um or people like me trying to do one but uh, i think that uh who knows? It'll take like three years for, for them to make this movie if and when it goes. So, you know, oh. you'll see it in, uh, I don't know, another 28 years. Oh. No, but it's going to turn out great. It's, Where's uh, it? I think. It's, it's, I, 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 my point is I enjoy writing it because Lego is mm-hmm. doing more satire. Right. I feel like then, you know, you used to have like Naked Gun, you used to have like Airplane, all these like yeah. movies. They don't really do those anymore. So now like Lego is a chance to really do those kind of jokes. Right. So what do you really want to satire, satirize with Lego? Uh, we're doing uh it's kind of like um princess bride meets sort of like uh i mean i i was uh, how many times did i watch uh, monty python's the holy grail mm-hmm. it's kind of like in that world okay so um a fantasy it's Le- epic it's called lego big bad it's kind of about the <laughs> the uh big bad wolf and how he's actually okay. not guilty of any of the things he's uh-huh. done but he still terrorizes people and it's kind of a deconstruction of the enchanted forest shakespearean gotcha. thing nice it's silly Take that Shrek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's like de- it's deconstructing even that. You know right. what I mean? So it's it's um it's cool. No, the yeah, the Lego franchise is good. So, uh, you know, I always I always end by asking my guests for some sort of inspirational advice that they can pass along. So, if there's someone out there who is creative and they're in a job and they're they're wondering where where they should go or they're thinking about quitting their job to to chase a pipe dream in comedy, what would you what would you tell them? 
Don't quit. Do both. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to do comedy if you're not. You don't have to sell stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you don't have to. All of a sudden, you, otherwise you're going to take a commercial, <laughs> whatever you don't want to take or whatever. You know, it's it's good. It's okay to have money coming in a different way, and then mm-hmm. you can really focus on your art. Um, and you'd be free and clear to do your art. Um, so don't quit your day job. That's what I always did. I, even in advertising, I was doing classes on the weekends and at night and mm-hmm. still like had whatever. So uh, that's one. But the other one is uh, uh, sit your ass in the chair and type. You know, uh-huh. all this like, all this trying to get, I need, I'm trying to get the script to somebody, get feedback and I'm trying to get the feedback and you want to, I'm trying to get the script to the, don't worry about the process of handing someone, getting someone to read your stuff. Worry mm-hmm. about the process of typing um, invent new things, improve it on your own. Um, the biggest critique I have of sort of new writers is like the, the script they end up giving me to read isn't ready. Like why, why not get it ready before you give it to me kind of thing? You know, is it, can it be tighter? Can it be funnier? Can it be like more, um, are the, can the act breaks be cleaner? Can the characters be more defined? Can the characters be more unique and interesting and funny and speak in a way that's really, um, surprises you and takes you somewhere can the points of view be clear you know all these things you need to do you don't need someone to give you notes to do that Mm -hmm. you should just do it well thanks for doing it so many times on film (laughs) and uh on that note i better get back to work myself okay thank you so much scott thanks for having me This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. things first.